at work one day, and she got a, a, a phone call from her babysitter. And uh, she said, your, your, your uh, daughter is really sick. Um, you need to um, pick up some medicine at the pharmacy, and, and please, please come home. So uh, she left work right away, went to the pharmacy um, to pick up the medicine, and, and she went into the pharmacy and came out and realized that she had locked her keys in her car. And uh, she desperately, so she's, she's starting to panic because she's got to get this medicine home to her daughter. Um, she calls the babysitter, um, you know, in, from the pharmacy and says, hey, you know, this is what's happening. I'm trying. And the babysitter said, well, you know, see if you can get a coat hanger and, and see if that'll work. And so she, she was out of her car and looked and she found a rusty old coat hanger. She said, I have no idea what to do with this. <laughs> and she, she starts to pray and says, Lord, would you, would you please help me here? Would you send somebody to help me get into my car. And uh, just then, a um, really rough-looking biker pulls up on his, his, his motorcycle into the parking space next to her. And she kind of says, Lord, this is who you're sending me? And she, she gathered herself together and said, oh, okay. She said, sir, would, would, you, would you please help me? Can I, I need to get home to my daughter. Would you, would you please help me get into my car? And he takes the coat hanger, and within a minute, she, he He's, he's got the door open, and um, she in tears, she comes up, and she gives him a great big hug. She said, thank you, or you are such a nice man. And he says, ma'am, no, no I'm, no, I'm not. He said, I, you, you don't, I, um, I just got out of uh, prison for, um, uh, for Grand Theft Auto. And she, <laughs> and she said, oh, and thank you, Lord, you sent me a professional. <laughs> And the point of this story is, you know, sometimes, sometimes you don't know what you exactly need, but if you'll pray, God will send you those things that you actually do need. Now, it might be in a form that you're not expecting, but he'll send you a professional. You know, um, the, the third great awakening... Uh, was very different. Um, the, in the first great awakening, the second great awakening, the things that we've talked about, uh, a lot, it, it was a person or several uh, ministers that, um, you know, God stirred their hearts. God really started doing something uh, in their area. God moved by the Holy Spirit, and uh, people started getting saved. It was a, a tremendous push for repentance, um, a tremendous uh, push by uh, the the pastors who were preaching at that time to to get right with the Lord and and you know, there was some of it was the um, hellfire and brimstone type preaching you know at Jonathan Edwards uh, you're like a you're like a spider hanging by a web over the fires of hell and if you don't get right you're done right the third great awakening was um, very different it was uh, we had talked about uh, with the second great awakening. Um, it, in the uh, early 1800s, up even really until the 1840s. Um, but in uh, um, 18, there, there was a, a gentleman by the name of William Miller uh, who predicted that Jesus was going to come in uh, eight, April 23rd, 1843. Okay? And uh, he got 
tons and tons of people all excited about Jesus physically showing up, second coming of Jesus, April 23rd, 1843. So, I mean, everybody was, he worked everybody up into a frenzy. And uh, April, you know, and he did. Jesus came back, and, right? No. So, he, and of course, everybody went, what, what happened? He goes, well, oh, it was the Jewish calendar. I had the wrong date, so the same thing next year, right? And, uh, of course, what happened? Nothing. So that and there was a bunch of um, financial prosperity that happened at the time. And so the church got a really, the church as a whole got a very bad reputation. And with the financial prosperity, everybody from the Second Great Awakening kind of just, you know, they had other things to do. And so there was a, a major spiritual decline once again in the country uh, with the reputation of the church and with um, people just kind of forgetting God because they had everything they needed, right? Well, there is, um, although God, w- God was on the move, and he, um, he knew that the, uh, in the 18, leading in the 1840s up to the Civil War, which started in around 1860, 1861, um, uh, God was preparing something. So uh, there was a man by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere, um, who was just a lay person. He was working with the, um, uh, if I remember correctly, the Dutch Reformed. Uh, he was a Dutch Reformed home missionary, a lay person. Um, but uh, they basically commissioned him, I want you to minister to the businessmen in New York City. That was the... Um, that was his his thing, and he kind of went. I well, okay. What do I what do I do? So he decided he was going to have a prayer meeting. If you know, once a week, like twelve to one during lunch hour. Here you go. So he made made up a whole bunch of handbills, you know, little pamphlets. Started handing them out, and and uh, they gave him a little room at the church to meet in. Handed them out. He he got there and sat, and there was nobody. And he sat some more, and there's nobody. Finally, about 20 minutes later, you know, one person walks. By, by the time, by the end of the end of that hour, they had six. Well, very shortly after that, um, within a couple of months, we had the, a huge stock market crash, and all of a sudden, everything was really kind of right because you had many, many people who were either out of job, out of money, out of everything. Their hearts are wrenched. And um, this prayer meeting takes off, I'm, and I mean takes off huge, to the point that um, not only is, is his area filled, but um, uh, by, that was in 1857 uh, that that happened. Um, so it, it went from there across different cities, um, there were, uh, by March 1858, the, there were 6,000 people who were attending noon hour prayer meetings in New York, another 6,000 in Pittsburgh, um, in the nation's capital. Um, by 18, May 1859, 50,000 people had been converted to Christ through the prayer revival. Prayer. That was it. And the, the, the whole point is they got together and prayed. There, there wasn't really even a specific leader they, they let anybody pray. And, I mean, they, they didn't preach. They didn't, it just, 
they, they prayed and people came, came to Jesus in, in droves. In fact, um, there's one story that um, there was a, a ship that was coming in. It was from Europe, a ship coming into harbor. And uh, I don't know if you know, but a lot of times they have a, um, a, a captain who will, who will get on and help guide a ship into port, somebody who knows the area, so they'll meet him out in the water get on and then he will actually take the controls you know they do this like up in the st lawrence river and stuff they they have um a guy who a guy that will come on the ship and so he gets on the ship and starts um telling the people this hey this is what's going on in new york have, have you heard and by the time they got into port um the entire the entire crew of the, sh of the ship got saved um you know that that's just what was going on all over in fact they they said that in new england there were um many there were many towns that they could not find an adult that was not saved because of, of what was what was happening um so this is this just um really kind of, of snowballed and again this was not um you know a pastor a minister of any kind it was not uh, a group, you know, you know, like first grade awakening. You had Edwards and Whitfield and the Wesley brothers, and you know, uh, but this happened just—it was a prayer movement. It was a prayer movement, and people start getting saved uh, because people started getting together and praying. Um, along this time, though, too, you, you had some other things taking place. Um, the uh, there was some revivals going on um, with the Methodist Church. It started up in Canada, and they had thousands of, of people getting saved there. Uh, and actually, around this time, too, um, at the Willamette Camp Meeting Association, um, that uh, erupted, and they had started having revival meetings there. So it was all um, this time, you know, like right before, some during, and then right after the Civil War. Um, in fact, one of the uh, people that we see that, like I said, most you know, started out with prayer, but you do have uh, one notable evangelist that um, one of the one of the greater evangelists that came out of the the country was a man by the name of D. L. Moody. I can't remember where he's from. He's from Chicago. Got a <laughs> Chicago family back here. Um, Moody. Uh, and one thing that I'm, I'm mentioning here with Moody, uh, because it's something that I talked about last week. So um, Moody uh, had a church up in Chicago, started getting going, and he, uh, he gave a series of, um, of messages. And uh, it, one was uh, like the life of, of Jesus. And he, he, ended, he ended the series, okay, and he said, you know, next week I want you everybody to contemplate the life of Jesus this was toward the end of the series. Next week, we're going to see, um, you know, what you came up with. And in between that week was the Great Chicago Fire, and his church burned down. And um, Moody, actually, uh, he, he went to, um, to New York and uh, got filled by the Holy Spirit while he was there. Um, he had some ladies in his church that uh, um, would, would come up and tell him afterwards, we're praying for you. And uh, he, he said, no, don't pray for me. Pray for everybody. Pray for the people who need the Lord. And, and I said, no, we're praying that you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And they go, like, oh, okay. And he realized um, at this time, he said, I, I need that. And so he got filled by the Holy Spirit um, while he was in New York. 
And uh, he, when he turned around and, and preached, he, he said, I don't, the, the sermon was the same. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, there was a different feel. People started getting saved. So he goes over to England and, um, and preaches at, he said, it was one of the driest places he's ever been. And um, a lady over there had been praying that, that, that God would send uh, Moody to come preach at her church. And she was in, like, the hospital at the time. And uh, she found out from a friend, said, guess who preached? Uh, D.L. Moody, she said, I'm going. <laughs> and so the, the, next, the next service, the entire place um, was, was full. And so he, gave, he, he, uh, he did not make the same mistake he did at his church in Chicago. He actually gave an invitation and said, if you, if you want to receive Jesus, I want you to stand up. And he said the entire place stood. And he was like, I, I think there's a, a, a lost in translation between American English and, and you know, British English. What I'm asking for is if, if you need Jesus in your life, I would like you to stand. And he said, everybody stood. And they like took him you know, to, to a, um, a, a room. You know, but he, he, said, what, what, um, he said, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to invite people to go ahead and commit their life and not, not have them go home and contemplate it and lose the opportunity. And so... Um, as we are talking to people, and as we, and it's something I told you, you know, some of the Lord's been pushing me, I, I want to start giving invitations, you know, whether that's just, hey, you know what, you, if you need more of the Lord, if you need to get healed, you need to get saved, you need to get, I'm, the Lord can touch you and he wants to touch you, let's do it, let's take care of it today before you leave. Let's, don't, don't, don't go think about it later and come back, you know, if the Lord deals with you later, great, but let's, if, you, if we can take care of it now, let's take care of it now. And so I want to encourage you all, because this is not just a, um, you know, let's not keep it in these four walls. You all, are, are you, you're going to come in here, you'll be filled up, you're going to take it out there, and let's, let's ask. Let's not, let, let's not just give somebody the opportunity to go home and think about it, you know. Um, maybe, maybe they will, but go ahead and give them the opportunity then to say, look, you need this. Once you, once, once you take the opportunity right now. So um, that's the, uh, the, the third great awakening coming up into um, uh, right, you know, right around the Civil War and just after the Civil War time. Um, one thing that I have noticed about these as in history and really also in the biblical uh, sense is that a lot of them have an element of revival in them, okay? So it's, it's like that God will restore one thing or God will do one thing that will bring revival. But it, it's, it's kind of not the whole package, if you will. We've, we've been talking in the Old Testament about these uh, real, a, a time for repentance, it's, you know, time to get back and get, get right with the Lord, to, to get out of sin, to leave sin behind, to get rid of the, the idols, whether those are, you know, in the Old Testament, it was actual physical idols, but we all have idols that we need to get, get rid of in our hearts. Um, and even a lot with the historical revivals, uh, like we had mentioned, you know, a lot of the, the times for repentance with the First Great Awakening, you know, time for prayer with the Third Great Awakening, um, but, you know, the then, like, if you get, we're going to have, I'm not going to talk about it, but Azusa Street in the uh, early 1900s, um, that was, you know, the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out. People 
It was a, re, a resurgence of the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, you mean there's all these gifts that we? Yeah, well let's let's do it. You know, and we're we're a lot of us are a product of that um, revival that has kind of come down. Um, so, but what we need, I believe, is to put all of those t- together. And we're going to talk about one of those elements today. Um, when I was in college, I mentioned before, I went up to uh, Toronto. The Toronto Blessing had, had, had started not too long previous to when we went, went up there. <clears throat> and I was really kind of shocked because um, here I was, you know, I was a, a young buck in, in um, Bible school and learning all the Greek and all the this, that, and the other. And and uh, sitting in the congregation, and um, you know the the worship was it wasn't anything to write home about. It was good, but you know, uh, and but you know I could just sense the Holy Spirit was there. And uh, John Arnott got up, and you all remember those those um, green living Bibles. Remember the the any of you all have still have one of those. Um, the guy who put those together, his name, his name's Kenneth Taylor, and I believe he um, uh, put that together in 1971. He, um, what he did is he uh, had the um, um, the old American Standard 1901 version. Um, that it's a, it, it reads like an interlinear. I mean, it's it's tough. It is really really difficult. It is like a word for word translation. If you want to study, it's it's great, especially if you can speak in, in the really old language. Karis, you'd probably love it. Um, but uh, he he's like, I, my kids can't read this, and I I would I would vouch for that. I I have a hard time reading it. But it, you know, so he's like, I so he took this. Um, old 1901 American Standard, and then wrote it out uh, in, in kid language. And so he made a Bible basically for his kids, and it turned into the um, old living, trans, uh, living Bible. Um, the, the newer living Bible is an actual translation. Um, you know, it had uh, theologians and you know, uh, Old Testament Hebrew experts and Greek experts actually translate it and, uh, into the new living. But the old living... Just this guy who wanted to write a Bible for his kids. Um, John Arnott got up there with one of, the, one of these living Bibles, and I'm going, "Wow, I, I've never, I'm not sure I've seen that happen." And his 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 message was very very uninspiring, I guess. Um, I was like, "All right, I, I guess what, whatever you're doing, Lord." But then he just called he called everybody forward, and let me tell you, the Holy Spirit just fell amazingly. And when we went um, back to our church in Oklahoma. That's exactly what we experienced. The Holy Spirit fell. We went, went about four nights a week for about eight weeks where um, we had revival like every, every night. But one thing I noticed both when we were in Toronto and then when we came back to our church is that this here kind of took a back seat. Now, were the things that were happening good? Absolutely. Good stuff happening. People... You know, I saw I saw people get get healed. People get that had like emotional scars that would have taken years and years of counseling. They come in, get prayed for, and you know the Holy Spirit works on them, and they they leave a changed person. You know, I you know great stuff happening, but this ended up kind of taking a back seat to what uh, the Holy Spirit was doing. And um, like I said, I don't want to diminish in any way what the Holy Spirit was doing. It's great, but 
but we need to marry these things all together so that we don't lose the repentance. We've got to have the repentance in there. We don't lose the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Got to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in there. We got to, you know, let, let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. We also have to have the Bible and Scripture. And we, we, have, to, we have to hold this, um, you know, this is not God, so we're not worshiping the Bible, but we hold it in very high regard. And it's one of the ways that he speaks to us and speaks to us very, very clearly. In, um, in 2 Chronicles um, 34, uh, we're going uh, to... Week, last week we talked about Hezekiah and the revival with Hezekiah, right? And Second uh, Chronicles 34, Hezekiah was a, a great king. Remember, he had, uh, his father was terrible. And have no idea how Hezekiah got the good genes, but he did. He um, uh, he, refor- he he went in, cleared out the temple. They had a, a tremendously huge Passover. He invited uh, the northern kingdom, who had gotten sacked by Assyria, to come down and join the Passover. And they 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 had it so awesome that they went. They said, "Let's go another week," and they, so they did. Uh, well, right after Hezekiah. His son was Manasseh. Manasseh was like one of the absolute most horrible kings of all of Judah, all of, all of Israel. In fact, Manasseh was so bad, that's when God said, I've had it, you are getting destroyed. It was the sins of Manasseh that uh, it was finally when the Lord said, this is it, Jerusalem is getting sacked. That's it. So, Manasseh dies. His son um, was uh, his son Amon was basically just like Manasseh. In fact, he was so bad he only reigned two years, and some of his uh, people got together and killed him. And um, then uh, they said, "You know what? We need we need something new." So they made Josiah king when he was eight years old. Now, I don't know about you. I've been around some eight-year-olds. <laughs> but they were, they were desperate. Like, he's going to be king. Um, but they... Um, so they, they made him king when he was, he was like eight years old. I'm sure they had some counselors with him. They, um, they, they killed the guys who um, had conspired against the, the former king. And uh, Josiah was a, a great great king in fact um it says that uh there there is had never been a king in israel if you read my email this morning there never been a king in israel that turned to the lord with all of his heart like josiah did but one thing that's amazing um when you start looking at at what josiah does is he he starts clearing out the temple again because they had they had cluttered it with idols and whatnot. And not only the temple, but there were idols in high places all over the place. So he starts clearing things out. And when they, when they get, they finally get to a point that they find the law. They find the word of God. Now, I, I, I want to let this, this sink in. It's, can, can you think of a church today that does not have 
the Bible. Now, I know there's churches that don't use the Bible, okay? That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that because there are churches that... But think about a church that doesn't even... that They would call themselves Christians, okay? I'm not talking about a Muslim church or Jewish church. Or, you know, Jewish would have a different... But that, that a church that calls themselves Christians that don't have the Scripture... And yet, here you've got the, the people of God, Israel, who they had, they had completely lost the word. They had completely lost the law. Now, praise God, God showed them, some, Josiah, somehow, hey, you've got to clear this stuff out. But they, they found the law and came in and read it to Josiah. And it says they, they have... And, People don't know exactly how much of it, you know, the so the first five books of the, of uh, the Bible is the Torah, it's the law. Um, it, in in the Jewish standard, it's like um, the books of Moses. It's, it's first book of Moses, second book of Moses, third. We 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 call it Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So they they think, no way to really tell. They think that it's probably Deuteronomy or parts of Deuteronomy that they brought in. And they begin reading it to Josiah, and um, let me just read a, a little bit of this to you. Um, it says when when they were bringing out the money which had been brought into the house of the Lord. This I'm sorry. This is Second uh, Chronicles thirty four fourteen thirty four fourteen. Um, when they were bringing out the money which had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Hilkiah responded and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan brought the book to the king and reported, uh, reported further word to the king, saying, Everything that was entrusted to your servants they are doing. They have also emptied out the money which was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hands of the supervisors and the workmen. Moreover, Shephan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book. And Shephan read from it in the presence of the king. When the, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah, um, Ahikam, and the son of Shephan, Abdon the son of Micah, Shephan the scribe, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire the Lord for me and, and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book which have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord which is poured out on us because our fathers have not observed the word of the Lord to do according to all that's written in this book. So can, can you imagine um, uh, not having the word at all? Right? And all of a sudden, it's found. And they bring it into the king. And so the king tore his robes. He, he was so convicted by what, by what he heard. He, he, he heard, um, you know, and if, you look, if you read Deuteronomy, especially get into like chapter 27, 28, um, and all of a sudden, you know, in Deuteronomy, Moses is saying, look, here are, the, here are the curses of the covenant. If you don't follow the Lord, you are cursed when you, and you're coming in, and you're cursed and you're going out, and you're, your land's going to be cursed. And, you're, and you, this is, if you don't follow the Lord, you're in big trouble. Okay, And he, he says big trouble in about 
you know, probably 85 verses, okay? So um, if you want to read it, go ahead. But um, uh, so, of course, he repents, and he says, Lord, what are we going to do? And then he, he sends... Um, uh, he sends uh, to find out um, from the Lord. So, how 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 should we as as revival comes and and really, um, I believe it's it's started. And what what my prayer is, more and if, if you want to follow along with my prayer, is not Lord bring revival. It's just bring more, just bring more. You know, I, I'm I'm determined to believe it's here. Just bring more. We want to see more. So, but I want to make sure that as the Holy Spirit shows up, and as people um, come to know Him, that we we continue to to um, feed ourselves right with the Word of God. And so, how how do we need to do that? Um, and the first the first way is we need to heed the Word. We need to heed the Word. Of course. Um, like I just mentioned, Josiah uh, did this by humbling himself. Um, sometimes that's what, absolutely what we need to do um, is, to, uh, is to humble ourselves before the Lord. Um, but we need to make sure, uh, can I just, I'll just put in a plug. You're not going to know what you're supposed to heed in the Word of God if you're not in it. Now I want to I want to say say this too. Um, this um, this can become a um, this can become just a good thing to do. All right, it can become tradition to read your Bible as much as any traditions uh, that other religions or Jews the Jews might have. In fact, we. Um, uh, we had some friends at one point that we, uh, some Jewish friends that we were um, having a meal with, and it was it was amazing to us because um, these were very very ultra orthodox um, Jews, and uh, we were trying to have a meal meal with them. We said, "Look, we'll 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 make some kosher stuff. Um, can we do that?" And they said, "No, because it wouldn't be kosher because your kitchen isn't kosher." Okay. All right, so we, we set up the food, and they had to get, have a different table uh, because it, it would, they didn't want maybe something from our stuff splashing into their stuff, and that would be that would be bad. And then even their kids, it was like, okay, what prayer am I supposed to pray before I eat the meat, or what prayer am I supposed to pray before I I eat this? What prayer am I supposed to pray before I? And my heart went out to them so much because it was this this tradition and religion that they had to hold on to. And had to make sure that they were doing everything just right. And you know, this can become that. Please don't let it. Let it be life. You know, don't just read it because oh, it's a, it's a something I got to check. You know, my box every day. I've got to do. Let let this let it be life to you. Let it be life giving. Let it be something that you you look forward to. Something that you just let the Lord. Um, wash over you stuff with and you know however that looks to you get with God and find out what it's supposed to look like for you but don't let it just be a check box that you have to mark off every day okay but do get into the word because we need to we need to heed the word we need to 
um, as we read it, let the Lord speak to you in the word. And he will. He'll show you. You know, he'll, he'll highlight a pas- passage and say, you know, that's for you. And he's, he's, done, he's done this with me, you know, over and over and over through the years where um, I, I told you guys a, a few weeks ago where I was just praying and, and the Lord put part of his scripture in, in my mind. And I knew where it was from, vaguely. I think I, I knew about what chapter it was. Um, and the, it's out of Malachi. It says, the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. And I was like, Wait, what is that supposed to mean? And I found it and I kind of started researching it. And like it was, uh, you know, probably the next day, I finally went, oh, thank you, Lord. But it's something he dropped in. It, it wasn't just the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit, but it, it was out of the word. I knew where it was because I'd been in the word. I went and I looked it up in here, but it was something that he spoke to me to say, look, I'm going to come and visit you. Let the, let the word speak to you. And as um, Josiah did, um, heed the word of God. Let it, let, it be, let it be life to you. Let it be, and, and heed what it says. But if you're not in it, you're not going to know. You know, the second thing that uh, Josiah did is he sought counsel. He sought wise counsel. Um, he, uh, uh, he, he went to the prophetess, or sent for the prophetess Huldah, and, um, and found out, okay, what is God saying here? I've, I've, I, he, he reacted to the word, right? He reacted properly. He, he repented. He tore his clothes. He said, we're in big trouble, but I need some help here knowing what, you know, this is still an old book, all right? I want to know what's God saying now, all right? So it's still a response to the word, but what's God saying now? And he sought wise counsel. He sought prophetic counsel. And what the Lord wants to do the exact same thing for you today. You know, there are people if you need help hearing maybe you maybe you get something in the word and you're like i i know god's saying something to me but i don't exactly know what here talk to somebody you come talk to me talk to pastor kevin okay talk um if 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 you're a a lady um and it might be easier for you get with get with ruth or, or get with lynn or or i know some of these ladies who have been um been doing this for a long long time you know, they will help you listen, right? And there are prophetic people that will help you to say, okay, this is what this is saying. This is what this is saying for you. I do this, I do this regularly. I've got, I've got a prophetic friend in, in Oklahoma, and I will bounce stuff off of him regularly. In fact, I called him up the other day, and I said, look, this is what I think God is, is doing. I think this is where he's directing. This is what I'm feeling like with revival here. Um, Help me pray, pray, pray through this with me, you know, and let me know what you hear. Okay, so I, I'm I'm not at the top of the food chain here. I'm going to other people, right? And I'm saying, hey, w- would you help me with this? Okay, so I'm not exempted with that. I, I'm doing this. I um, I've been uh, Papa Tony called. He calls me. I talk to him every couple of weeks or, or so. Uh, we've got a got a thing. You know, who's going to call some the other person first? Um, but I, I talked to him. I said, "This is what I think revi- revivals 
coming. I, I, I feel it. This is what's going on. So I'm, I'm talking to him about it, and he's encouraging me. And so, so do the same thing, okay? Please, get in the Word. What's God saying? Go to somebody. What's God saying in this hour? What, what is he wanting me to do? So heed the Word. Also, seek godly, wise counsel. Um, then um, not only did uh, he, he not only did he listen and he um, had the right heart response to the word but he, he followed through um, in chapter 35 um, I'm not going to for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Josiah not only cleaned out the temple, but he got rid of all the, the priests uh, of the other religions. He got rid of all the cult prostitutes. Um, he uh, went through the, where, what was the northern kingdom of Israel. And one of the, one of the coolest uh, things, one of the greatest prophecies, when, um, oh, I've got his name written down. The, the king of Israel, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on it, it starts with a J. That's the bad thing about preaching without notes sometimes. Um, but one of the kings of Israel, he, he set up, uh, one of the first ones, Jeroboam, he set, um, he set up these uh, uh, idols and built an altar, and a prophet came from the south and said, there's going to come a guy one of these days by the name of Josiah. Like this was like six hundred years, but Josiah is going to tear this down. And Josiah went up there, and uh, he he uh, broke, he tore the altar down. He burned human bones on the altar to desecrate it. And they found the uh, this the the tomb. And he said, "What's this tomb here?" He said, "That's the that's the prophet that came and said that this altar would be destroyed one day." By a man, he, he named him Josiah. So Josiah went through all of the area and um, destroyed all the um, all the idols. I think I, I, we we can talk about that, and we say that really, really nonchalantly. Think about what this meant. Okay. Get, the, these idols, a lot of them were not inexpensive. And he's going through and he's burning them, destroying them. Think about how many people did he put out of work or even put out of life, okay, because he's taking all the priests and killing them. Do you, do you think all their, their, their families were really happy about that? Well, all, all the cult, I mean, cult prostitutes, he's getting rid of them. He's getting rid of all the... I mean, he, he is following through in a really, really radical means in front of everybody and in such a way that everybody can see he's he's go no you should just read this um that's the passover um if if you look at it though it, it goes through all the different things that he did both in judah and like i said what was israel destroying all of these different idols 
um, all over the place, all the different altars, finding human bones and burning them on all these altars to, to desecrate them so that they would have no more power anymore, and getting rid of all the false priests and priestesses. And um, so this, think about if we were to translate that today, what, what, what would happen if um, the, the governor came in and, and said, you know, I don't think we're going to have any more of this church, any more of that church, any more of this church, any more of that. How do you think that would go over? Let, let's, let's just say a president came along and said, every church that um, does not have a, um, a rainbow flag out of the, you know, every, or let, let's say it this way. Every church that has a rainbow flag out there, they're going to close your doors next week. How do you think that, how do you think people will rea- react to that president? Right? Do you think it was easy for Josiah to do this? Now then, what about us? When God is asking us to do things, are we going to heed even when it's difficult? Are we going to do those things even when it's even if it means somebody looking at us crossways? Even if it means getting somebody a little bit angry at us? I'm not saying you're doing the wrong thing. I'm just saying just by standing up for what's right. If it's difficult to, um, I mean, for, for a lot of people, it's like, I, you want me to share my faith with somebody? You want me to actually say, I, yes, I'm a Christian. It was hard. I think it was hard for Josiah to do a lot of these things. I'm, I'm reading into it. It doesn't say that, but I can imagine the, the, the blowback he got from a lot of the people. Now, they're not going to do too much because he's the king and he can say, off with your head, right? But at the same time, he's, he's destroying a lot of the economy by what he did. Are we going to stand up and do the right thing regardless of the cost? Even if that's sharing our faith with somebody or standing up at work and saying, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z because it's wrong. You can fire me if you want. Or, go, or walking across the street. Look, sometimes it's tough to walk across the street, both physically or metaphorically speaking, to someone who does not look like you, does not act like you, does not smell like you, does not, you know... It, you know, maybe it's a different language, or maybe it's a totally different socioeconomic class. Maybe it's somebody who is in a, a, a very, very um, visible sin that you're like, ah, I'm not sure I want to be associated with that person. It might cost you something. But are you going to heed the word regardless of the cost? Josiah did. And I believe as, as God gives us more and more that um, that we will need to step out. I know there's a, a friend of ours. I'm hoping that he'll be able to uh, come into the church sometime. He's from West Africa. 
I've mentioned him before. Um, he, we, we try to, the, there's other churches in the area that um, help support him and try to keep his name um, out of, actually out of print and off the internet because um, he, he's in a place where there's a lot of extremists. And when he, he was the first person of his entire tribe to become a Christian. And um, when he did, uh, he, his, dad's, his dad hired a police officer to go kill him. His very own dad. Um, now, uh, since then, you know, he, he and his family have been reconciled to, to a huge extent. But he still does not go back to his home country. Um, he's, he's, he's ministering to the, that people group, but he doesn't go back because it's just too dangerous. So he, he left everything to follow Jesus to the point that his family said, you know, we, we, not only are you disowned from us, but we're going to kill you because, because we don't agree with you. Are you willing to follow Jesus to that extreme? If it costs you everything, And, may, and you, might say, you might be saying, okay, yes, I, if somebody tells me to recant can't Jesus or I'll, or I'll kill you, I, I won't recant. You know, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just see him sooner, right? But what if it's not that? What if it is, um, it, it will cost you your reputation. You're still going to be alive, but it's going to cost you your reputation if I am doing X, Y, and Z. If I'm ministering to this person, if I share with this person about the Lord, are you willing? Let's all be willing to hold fast to the Word of God. Let's make sure and keep this as. I don't, I don't ever lose this like they did, both physically and metaphorically. You know, I want us to hold on fast to the word. You know, this isn't, like I said, it's not God, right? But it's one of the major ways that he speaks to us. And we need to hold it dear and let him speak to us. Even when the Holy Spirit is here and doing amazing, amazing, amazing things, you know what, if we throw this out, it's not going it, to, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun for a season. But I want what God is doing and what he's going to continue to do to not just last for five, six, ten years. I want this to be something that generations from now, they'll look back and say, we're still going. It's still going. And it's, it's only if we keep that heart of repentance that we've been talking about. This is another one. This is number two. We have, we have to keep the word. We have to keep it holy, reverent, so that the Lord can continue to speak to us through it. Amen. Let's...
Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you have preserved your word through time. To think that you um, began writing this so many thousands of years ago, giving Moses so much of it and you know, keeping it through all these um, ups and downs of all the Israelites throughout the entire Old Testament when it's been seems to be lost and yet you've preserved you've brought it all the way down to us so that we can glean from um, all the men and women who um, have have done well and who have blown it big and we can learn from both we thank you for that lord and i pray that you'll do that with us that you will um, help us to um, hold fast to your word. Let it shape us and mold us. Let it always be that your word stands over us to do what it needs to in us and not us look down on the word and shape it. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, to do that despite uh, any other good things that are happening. Help us to always come back and to, to um, hold, hold fast the word and to, to, to keep it in our hearts. Lord, I bless each person here today. Those who are online, I bless them in the name of the Lord. And I pray that your hand of blessing will, will be upon them and go with them in the name of Jesus. Amen.